Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We hope that you're blessed by this message. Okay, so the reason why I want to do that Butch Cassidy and Sundance is the frame is that the truth is closing in on you. At this point, uh, Jesus is laying out what a disciple is presented with. There's many different options. There's many different things. But here, the truth is, looks like this. Um, I'm pursuing you. The life of Jesus Christ is pursuing you. Why were you made? For what purpose? What is your destiny? And it's kind of weird because this is the weird counterintuitive look. You, to find your life, you've got to lose it. It's just so weird. It's not survival instincts. It's not just like, uh, like if, if you're like me, I like to read about medieval times and all the court intrigue. It's not like this chess match. It's you either submit and surrender to me, to a spiritual life, or you lose the life you have. Run from this world, and you will lose your spiritual life. Run from Jesus, and you will lose even more, right? You'll lose everything, and that's the key word. That's the ultimate truth. So this is the place that we're looking at. Are you saved? If you can say yes, now what? This is these verses. Now what? The Bible states that you are now identifying with God as your Savior. He claims you. Do you claim him? If the answer is yes, yes, then the truth is closing in on you. You are now a disciple. You have now entered into the discipline zone. Okay? Disciple is a, a person under discipline following their master. And this is what I always like to look at. This is the... And, just so you guys know, I, I titled this called Sticker Shock, When Jesus Gets Real. That's the name of this teaching. But uh, at this point, I would like to say, wow, Jesus, this is very scary for me to hear. That's what I want. That's what I titled it in my devos in the morning. This is very scary for me to hear. And that's me as somebody in ministry. Where is our truth? We need to start making this acknowledgement right now and here. Where is your allegiance? Where is your allegiance? When you look at these verse, verse 32, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. What's amazing about this word acknowledge is that it comes across in different translations as confessing. This word confess is amazing because when you like break down, I like to get into etymology, you go on the words and get nutty, and you could spend hours, you know, on Google. But the word confess when coming back was to openly acknowledge someone do you confess your christ as we know but would you confess him as your king this is something they would say back in me do you confess the king do you acknowledge the king do you make yourself in an alliance let me put it in modern terms are you proud to carry the message of the king are you proud to be considered on that level are you are you claiming them i always love when we go to target there's always a random kid that you know like i have joey like with a but joey's my little baby I have him like on a death grip and he's touching toys and I'm like boxing him in and playing like defense so he can't get out. And then a toddler will run by. And then all the moms will converge on this random rogue, you know, toddler running down. And they'll, whose baby is this? Who claims him? And sometimes you could see the look on the mom's faces. They don't want to claim that toddler because he's out of control. But eventually they have to claim. They have to, we're family. Get in the cart. I'm sorry. This is what it means. I, I learned a lot about the word confession early on dating with Jackie. Because, um, so when I met Jackie, and this will be fun for us in this, who go to the campus a lot, when I saw Jackie, it was like, you know, when you hear the music and the sparkles fall, like, I saw her, I knew, I was like, Jesus, and he was like, yes, this is the one, I was like, I knew it, you know, it was just, and that was just a look, right? This is how it's going to be. But me being, like, um, not as smooth as I thought it was, I thought the way that you did it is you played it smooth, like, you, 
hey, girl, you want to go get some coffee? You know, and then I played it cool, and I like, you know, like, we'll see how things go. You know, I just was going that way. Not the way to go, but, you know, that's what I thought. I'm not super smooth. The Lord had to do a lot of helping along the way to make this relationship work. But eventually I realized something. <clears throat> when there's a confession, there's an acknowledgement, there's an al- allegiance, it looks like this. Everywhere we would go, I made it a point to sit on the opposite side. Like, she'd be like, you want to come sit next to me in the booth? And I'm like, no, nobody does that. You know, like, I would sit across from her. I'm like, that's kind of, like, too early. You know, like, you have to impress me. Really, I was already smitten, and I was just, whatever. You guys can make fun of me later. We're married. We made it. (laughs) But I just would just the first, like, the first night we went out and sat at a nice restaurant, I sat on the opposite side of the table from her, and I looked at her, and and the waiter, of all things, if you can believe it, slid up, and started speaking French to her. I mean, like, as if I didn't even exist. As if I didn't even, wasn't even in the room. And I was just like, whoa, 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 how do you not know? And he was like, excuse me, sir. And he kept talking to her. And then she said, I don't know French, so we switched to another language. I don't even know what that language is. I'm going to be honest with you. It sounded really nice in my ears. So I didn't like it. I'm like, if it sounds like silk to my ears, then I don't know what's doing to her. You know what I did? I was like, I go, excuse me, sir, we're on a date. That's enough. Just bring us the coffees and move along, right? As soon as he left, I was like, just slid into her booth and just like, <laughs> she's with me. There was a confession. I am now acknowledging this person's with me and I am with them, right? Do you understand? And that's what a confession looks like. Jesus is saying, it's more than just what you say. It's more than just what you feel. It's who you are. You know when it became who I was? The day we exchanged vows. She is permanently with me. She is my responsibility. And all the good and the bad, the ugly, that is me, that's with her. And we are one. I confess my love for you. I confess my faith for you. I am committing myself openly in front of the world to you. I'm identifying with you. You are taking my name. We are now one family. We have leaved and we have cleaved and we are one. And now you know without a shadow of a doubt I don't care what French-speaking waiter shows up. This one's mine. Move along. And this is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is saying this to you. It's not just walking the walk. It's not talking the talk. It's not even just like, I like the idea of Jesus. I approve of Jesus. I'm living Jesus. We are together. This church should look like the bride of Christ. We claim him and he claims us. Amen to that. Look at verse 34. Do not suppose that I come to bring peace to the earth. I do not bring peace, but I bring a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother. That's a lot of, that's the youth department right there. Uh, We have a whole ministry based on that verse. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. You know, boys that are out there that have that issue at home. You know, maybe every Thanksgiving, a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. It's biblical. Jesus happens. Ladies, if you have a problem with your mother-in-law, blame Jesus. It's right there in that verse. And look at verse 36. A man's enemies will be in the members of his own household. And I read that, and I'm like, that's kind of harsh, Jesus. That's not, the, that's not the Jesus that they put in the paintings. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's not the Jesus on the cards. Like, Jesus on the cards is, like, holding a baby lamb, or he's got a kid on his, you know, on his lap, and he's like, suffer not the children, and the kids are, like, laughing, and Jesus is laughing. Or how about this? Christmas Jesus. He brings you tidings of peace and peace and joy. Where's that Jesus? This Jesus is like, I'm about to jack up your family. I want Christmas Jesus. I want Christmas Jesus, but this is where it comes in. Sticker shock. 
We don't want to focus on primarily just what the thing is, but I want you to read this with me. It's a little bit of uh, sticker shock, and we have to read the fine print. And this is a part that I think especially you know, like young Christians, baby Christians, new Christians uh, suffer with. Salvation is not discipleship. Salvation is not discipleship. Salvation costs you nothing. Jesus showed up and said, here's your free gift. Discipleship will cost you everything. I want you to look at the lives of all the prophets. I want you to look at the lives of the disciples. Every single bit was not peaceful. Every single bit was not wonderful. Every single bit was not a Hallmark movie. And I'm saying they get a little rough in there, you know, but not bad. Discipleship looks like this. Jesus is the Prince of Peace because when he came into your life, he gave you an eternal lasting peace because you accepted him as your Savior in salvation. Right? But discipleship will never be peaceful because it can never be peaceful because we are being lifted and separated from a lost and dying world. And we are being disciplined from our walk from here to eternity. There is no way that the light could ever not rage against the darkness. Life can't not fight death. They're, just, they're diametrically opposed. Hope and hopelessness don't go together. And this is the world that we're in. It. Your devotion will cause division because what are you being divided from? You're being divided from the world that is in Genesis 3, lost and dying world. You are being redeemed from sin. You are no longer walking and reproving of sin. You are now walking in the, in the footsteps of a Savior who died on the cross, put your sin in the ground, killed sin, was resurrected to a new life. And you are all new creations with him. God is not just raising up disciples. He's raising up a spiritual army. And you're conscripted, and you're here in this room today. Let me ask you this. You go, well, that sounds a little, that's a little intense. In the 80s, I don't know why, we got really into camouflage, and I'm in the Lord's army. And some people are like, that's too intense. And I just remember this. I, I just remember this little old lady walked to the front, and I just remember, like, this is, like, really intense, all the camo and the churches going together at these big conferences and, like, screaming, you know, we're, we're in the uh, Lord's army together. And I just remember this one lady goes, can you make peace with Satan? That's all I needed to hear. Can you make peace with Satan? Can you make peace with death? Can you make peace with sin? No, because sin and death and Satan are fighting you. And Jesus is like, you can't enter into that drama. You can't be a part of that. You have to be uplifted. This is why for you to understand where God's calling you in these verses is he's asking you to maximize him. I must decrease so he can increase you must maximize your god that's your starting point for you to understand who you are you have to lose your life you have to get into what god's called you to your purpose and identity was made in him the image of the lord is on you there's no part of you that you made your breath given to him given by him your very life was written in chapters before you were even born by god's own hand and this should give us also a confidence. You're being elevated from a passing earth to an eternal heaven. This is why God can't play seconds with your heart. The moment you elevate anything higher than God, you have just said, I do not acknowledge who you really are. The truth is closing in, right? As soon as you say, Jesus Christ is my Savior, he's my creator, then boom, he immediately is the starting point. I just always love to put this in perspective. If the starting point of our solar system is the sun. I want you to just look at this. You have the sun and all the planets are moving around it, right? 
The sun is what helps the earth do everything. Spin, the orbit holds it in place. The warmth and light of the sun is what we do our days and nights by, but it's also what life goes by. My point being, you remove the sun, what's left? Darkness, no light, no warmth, and your planet is spinning out of control. Your life is completely not in your hands. We are operating in the glory and the mercy and grace that God has given us. He doesn't play seconds because he isn't second. You can't play seconds with somebody who's at the top. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. I love this because I always look at looking at the little titles of the chapters. It kind of sets everything. Living as those made alive in Christ. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. The heart, the throne of God. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not earthly things. This is a perspective for you. What you think of God right now is probably what you'll think of him on the day of judgment. And let that sink in. That one scares me. I wrote that just because the Lord was inspiring me, but I was like, I dropped my pen and I was like, ugh. What you think of the Lord today, how you treat the Lord today, the position you give the Lord today is probably what his position will be in your life at the day of judgment. If he's a distant father that you never met, depart from me, you ne- I never knew you. But if he's that glorious, amazing father that saved you time and time again and loved you more than you ever deserved and gifted you life and gifted you salvation and then you grew as a disciple and then all the rewards of life came from him, hey, hey, you too. You're like, hey, we're doing this. Day of judgment. But think about that. If, if you're in a war against him, even in your discipline, think of how that awkward meeting goes, right? You are preaching every moment of your life. And I love the book of Psalms because it's like this. You're either preaching to yourself, you're either preaching to the other people in the room, or you're preaching to maybe non-believers out there, but your life is exuding what you think of God. I just want you to put that in perspective for this truth. The truth is closing in on you. How you live for God, you don't even have to say it. You live it. I just remember this one moment. I know this is really, really young, but I remember I was in a junior higher, and um, I was following this kid who was, uh, in eighth grade, about to go in ninth grade. I was just a sixth grader, and this kid was uh, like the coolest kid ever. His name was Zach. And I was like following him, and I remember we went to a kid's party. Um, it was like the cool kids in school. And so we're like, oh man, there's pizza rolls, and we're going to hang out, and these are the cool kids. And I get that. I'm like, I'm in sixth grade, so anytime anybody's older, you're like, all of a sudden you act different. You're like, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm a ninth grader, but you're really in sixth grade. And you're just trying to play it cool. And I remember they were doing things that we couldn't keep up with as Christians. They put in a bad movie. And a dirty scene came on. And I remember looking at Zach as a sixth grader. I was frozen. What do I do? I just remember Zach, confident in his walk in Jesus Christ, as an eighth grader, ninth grader, he turned his face and he looked right at me. Back to the movie. He said, Joe, you and me, we're going to get more pizza rolls. I went, really? And he said, yeah, because Jesus still likes those. So we left. We didn't watch the dirty movie. I remember him getting on the phone, calling his mom, and we left. And I was just thinking to myself, think, Sink your heart on the things that are above. Sink your heart. And guess what? I followed him as he followed Christ. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As soon as you know that you're a kingdom person and you're focusing on the joy of the kingdom of God, you all of a sudden know I am transcending what's here and now. 
I'm fixing my heart. I'm synchronized to a Christ that's above everything. Look at the drama of that dirty movie, the drama of all those kids kind of like forcing themselves to watch it because all the kids were watching a rated R movie when they shouldn't. But Zach's like, we're getting out of here. The relief that I felt, the joy that I felt that I wasn't a dirty person and I left that place, it wasn't about behavior. It was about the way I synced my heart with the Lord. And I fixed my, and you know what? I am above that. I am better than that. I am better than that because of who I'm aligned with. I have fixed my heart, Jesus' heart. And that's something you have to understand. You are made for a purpose and a destiny. I'm going to say this right now for somebody. And this might be a struggle to hear. But like you were not born into the situation that you were in. You were sent. If God created you and gave you breath, there may be a misfortune in your life. There may be a crisis. But if you are the kingdom of God, if you are the one that's synchronized with Jesus Christ and you are a disciple who comes with a teachable, sacrificial mindset, is growing under the tutelage of Jesus Christ, I want you to think about the walk that he walked. I want you to think about what he dealt with. I want you to think about the sufferings he did. And I'm not just even talking about the cross. God gave us life and then he gave us spiritual life, so therefore he's called us. And if he's called you, if the king's called you, are you not already elevating against the things that are dead? If the king of life, if the king of light has already called you, you have already been started to be removed and separated from that death and darkness. Jesus is saying, when you go back to the drama of your house, if you go back to the drama that is your family, you, I'm not asking you just to fight it or be against it or I'm not pulling you away from it. You still have an obligation you still have an obligation to honor your mother and father. You still have an obligation to raise your children to be great discipline, no matter how crazy they are. You might still have to put up with your mother-in-law on Thanksgiving just for that one day. Jesus, thank you, the one day. In love, thank you. But here's the point that I want to call for you right now. You are being raised up to be, how can you ever help somebody see the transcendence of heaven if you're not living it? If you're stuck in the same muck, and mire that they're stuck in, how can you help them see the new light? Jesus said, I've called you and I'm sending you. I wrote your story before you were even born. I want you to go as disciples bearing my name and I want you to help the situation be raised. I have this really funny story. It's really awesome. Um, this is amazing to me because when I think back of it, this moment, it's like it was bigger than I thought it was in the moment. So does anybody know who Sophia Loren is? Everyone knows, right, yeah. So we did a chair. I was part of a, a group. They did a charity event down in South Florida, and we were doing all this kind of stuff. There was, like, all these celebrities showing up. But, you know, like, for me, I was 16. I could care less who Sophia Loren was at the time. But now, looking back, I'm like, whoa, I met Sophia Loren. Um, there was this young girl. Her name was Michelle. She was given the task of raising up the charity from scratch, like, raise the tents, put out the tables, you know, the nice, fine white linens, make sure the swan was shaved properly from the ice. I mean, there was just all this fancy stuff that she's never done before. But somebody had selected her to do that job. And she was doing it to the best of her abilities. And the only reason I got that gig was because I was friends with her brother, and we followed her in it, and we were making good money, and we were like, whatever, whatever you want us to do. I mean, I'll, you want me to make a fancy peacock with, you know, napkins for the money you're paying me? I'll do it. I was just like, I was just doing everything. You want me to put all the, you know, the, the, the silverware in a certain way, salad, for, you know, whatever, I'll do it. I thought it was ridiculous. I was 16, but I did it. And then this guy came in, and he was the overseer of, the, of the, the celebrity section. Like, he was the liaison between celebrities. And he came in, and he just reamed at this, this lady. I don't like any of this. I don't like the colors you picked. I don't like blah, 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 blah. And he was just yelling at her. And she, it was like, this lady's been doing 
she's given the last month of her life to this. She's got everything under control. She's doing the best she can. And she was rejected by this guy. I reject all of this. Start over. And then a hush fell over the crowd. And we were like, because, you know, we're all standing there with our glasses, and we're like, why? We're like, what's happening? We looked over, and Sophia Loren's standing there. Like, that's crazy, right? You know, like in that cell. And I just never forget how her presence and how she handled this change thing. She walked over to the gentleman. She touched him on the shoulder, and she said, okay, you're done. Go get a cappuccino and a rest. I don't even know what that means. That sounds cool. Just when she said it, I was like, I've never said that. I'm like, Go get a cappuccino and a rest. She, he just left. He listened to her, and he just left. And then he went over to Michelle, and she said, Michelle? And we're like, whoa, you know Sophia Loren? First name basis? She said, Sophia, I selected you for this one purpose. You have everything that you need. You're beautiful on the inside. You're beautiful on the outside. Darling, go do what I've asked you to do. And the rest of the evening was peaceful. And everything got done. And the night went out with a hitch. And what's the most amazing thing is that girl, that Michelle, that was just, I have my value assigned from the person who selected me. And the discipline that I'm putting out is that I've been given a job and a task and I've been gifted. I've been specially chosen for this. I'm going to go. And I've been requested to raise the level, the bar of how we do things because I am beautiful in, inside and out. The value that is assigned for me is from my father. The value of the giftings that I have are from my father. And then he shines through me, and then I raise the situation around me. I don't go down to the situation that I'm dealing with. I walk into that situation and bring restoration and redemption because of who Christ is in me. I live in Christ. My heart is synced with Christ. I come with that mindset of rescue. But rescue for what? The kingdom of God. I want you to know the rest of the night, any problem that happened, we walked around like, don't worry, darling, you're beautiful inside and out. And just like the whole night just went on. You know what? Should not the houses of the Christians that are represented in this room be like that? Don't worry, Jesus said it will be all right. Yeah, but you don't know how bad it is at home. Don't worry, I'm bringing Jesus into the home. When the tide rises, all the ships rise with it. When Jesus rises, shouldn't all the vessels in this room rise with him? And their homes. Point number two. To maximize Christ, to maximize God, you have to minimize yourself. It wasn't really about what Michelle could do. It was about what Sophia Loren said she could do and the belief that she put in her. This is a man-in-the-mirror moment for myself. This life is not about me. It's about God. Most of the temptation in the f in like anywhere I've fallen in my life is me trying to find a nurturing to fill the God-sized hole in my heart and it's a failure because I didn't listen to the call that God gave for me. You can move with confidence under the bold proclamation that you are a child of God, but you move humbly before the king. Just put that in perspective. Lucifer, leader, morning star of the choir, in heaven, did not move with humility. I should be worshipped like God was worshipped. Revelations. God stands before, you know, the host and says, I wish somebody would just stand up. I don't think he says wishes. I, I know somebody going to need to stand up for these people. And Jesus said, I will. I mean, think about that. The selfless act of Jesus Christ being in heaven, choosing to come to earth and put on human skin, deal with humanity, be rejected by humanity, sacrificial lamb, die, the eternal God tastes death, and look at the reward. 
Satan and his selfishness does what he does and look at the division. You are not called to that division. You are called to that unity. But it's going to take your sacrifice. It's going to cost you everything as a disciple. I want you to consider this little moment right here. What is your calling on your life? Your first sense should be, I'm just walking with God. But where? Right here. Right here in this church. Right now. When? Exactly right now. Walk with God. Talk with God. Well, what about, um, I have all these obligations. I have all these concerns. I'll do it next year. I'll do that Bible study next year. I'll start my Devo tomorrow. Mm -mm, Tonight. Tonight. The reason why that is is because I want you to think about this. For Noah, there was no time like the present. There's something coming. There's a danger coming. There's a proclamation by God that something's coming, and you have to get on board. Do you hear the calling? Noah, I will build a boat. I don't know what the heck you're talking about, but I'll build a boat. I don't know what rain is. Gideon. There's no greater call out of fear and into faith when the enemy's closing in and you go, Lord, what? Do what with some clay pots and a lantern? What? I mean, that's how I picture Gideon. Remember, like, like in the picture Bible, Gideon's like, oh, Lord. I picture Jesus, like Gideon being like, I don't know what you're talking about. But the calling is real and you're gonna have to sacrifice and you're gonna have to step out in faith. The truth is closing in. Sometimes you're gonna have to take that leap of faith and go off and go, I am called. And I know it's gonna be rough. I can't swim. Gideon didn't know what he was doing, but he learned on the way. But he did it because he answered the call. He answered the disciples' call into the kingdom of God. And what happened? The expansion of the kingdom. There's a definite experience calling for you right now. You will be sheep among wolves, but you go with a shepherd. Listen to this verse again. Whoever finds their life, verse 39, and whoever uh, finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is like a quality control moment for Jesus, right? Right? anybody can get saved. Everybody loved the miracles that Jesus did. Then he stopped doing the miracles and they all left, right? I want you to think about the two guys that really exemplify this for me. Uh, the, rich, uh, the rich young ruler, Matthew 19. Oh, Jesus, you're so cool. How can I get involved? Sell all your stuff. Get rid of your idols. Follow me. Change your obligations. Change your excuses. I can't do that. There's a really passionate Young lawmaker. Think about this. A young lawmaker. He sees Jesus. He sees the truth. He sees the reasoning. He goes like this. Jesus, I want to I get involved. I want to be a part of this. I hear the calling. He goes, let the dead go bury the dead. Oh, no, I got to go, go be with my father. I got to go be with my father right now. I want to put this in perspective for you why he says this. And this always blows my way. Most time in the Jewish culture or the Jewish religion, it was a great thing for a young man to pass the torch, you know, from, from the father to the son and then oversee the funeral rites and then declare himself as the owner of all the new inheritance, you know, like I'm in charge now. This was a big deal. Jesus goes, it's not a big deal. Following me is a big deal. Oh, I can't do that. I can't lose face with my family. Can you imagine if my Jewish family found out I was a Christian? Jesus says, rise above. Rise above whatever excuse you have. This is my quality control moment for me. Here's a question for you, and if you want to write this down, this really challenged me. I'm a pastor. I'm in youth what would my life look like in Christ? Or what would my life in Christ be like if I were to get rid of all my excuses? All the excuses that are before you now, all the things that you think are in the way of your relationship with the Lord, all the things that God has called you to. I want you to think about this. Job lost an entire family, a fortune, everything. Was it replaced? Was it redeemed? Yes. For those that are not answering those calling. I always like to put the counterpoint, Jonah. 
God is calling you to a kingdom of heaven. And I know he was spiteful, but can you imagine the amazing testimony when the obedience was finally had and the Assyrians gave their hearts to the Lord? The warring army that was the most disgusting army in history used to put hooks in people's mouths and drag them as slaves. They're now going, we are slaves to God. All because he answered the call. What would your life be like if you rose above your unwillingness to follow Christ? Now, the funny thing is, is that the Lord does give you a space that you can own. The Lord does open a discipleship moment for you. Listen to this. Next, next slide. This is one. A denial of the truth is a detour from our calling. Are you a child of God? Are you called to be a disciplined disciple? Yes. To deny that is to take a detour from the calling that God has specifically put on you. I want you to think about the rich young ruler, and I want you to think about the passionate lawmaker that rejected Jesus. What if they were the next Gideon? What if they were the next Noah? But the end of their story is an anticlimactic period, and they just did not follow Jesus. In the book of Joey, should it end with verse you know, 22? And Joey did not follow Jesus. I hope not. I pray not. Jesus said you need to deny yourself and pick up your cross. Galatians 2.20. I want you to think of the perspective of this man, Paul, and his journey of faith. I am crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What happens with the old me is I die. And now the high priest of, of God, Jesus Christ, who sits at the position of power, now moves into my heart. And he gives me a purpose, 1 Peter 2, 9. We are now a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. You've been given a calling. You've been given a major calling tonight. I want you to think about what it means when Jesus comes down from heaven and clothes you in robes of righteousness and then empowers you in the seal of the Holy Spirit. What is the expectation of that kind of person? It's interesting that I always find this in counseling. Some people are afraid of failure. I don't know if God can use me like that. I don't know if I'm gifted that way. I don't even like teenagers. That was my counseling. I don't even like teenagers. I'm not good with teenagers. They're so entitled. Good, you're a youth pastor. But there's another side of people that I deal with in counseling that's really fantastic, people that are afraid of success. I know if I give my heart fully to Jesus, I'll end up on the pulpit like Joey and Pastor Dave. I do not want to go up there. But ministry doesn't always call you here. Sometimes it calls you to the mission field. Sometimes it calls you to Publix. Sometimes it calls you to your husband and your wife or your kids. Sometimes it calls you to the school. Sometimes it calls you into the many different places where God has amazing goals that we will never, ever be able to see the rewards. But new brothers and sisters in Christ will be there because you answered the call and walked as somebody above the darkness and above the death and destruction, and people walked in and went, whoa, who are you? I'm a royal priest. You want to get on board? You want to get on this train? If, if you're on the opposite side of that, I, I always hear this creeping selfishness, the all-knowing, all-powerful God that I serve, you don't know as much as I know. That's a gut check for me. You don't know as much as I know. You don't understand how much of a failure I am. 
yeah, he does. That's why he used you. Like, this one, you know, like, you know you're the worst of the worst of society if God selected you to put you up on a pulpit because I draw all glory to God because of how much of a failure I am. I'm like, thanks. Now I know where I stand in the, the success of life because I must be such a mess up for God to shine greatly and people look at me and go, you know what's great? This is great. This is so great. When I was growing up, I was voted most likely to overdose. It was an unofficial voting that happened in our yearbook in a Christian school. Most likely to overdose. Where do I stand now? I'm overdosing on the Bible and the word every day, amen? Don't steal my jokes. That was my joke. <laughs> Listen to this, Matthew 6, But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God is not just calling you away from the darkness and away from everything. He wants to give it back to you. I know there's so many people right now that are struggling with the verses of the, you know, the warring against their family. I know so many people that I've talked to this week that have brought it up to me. I'm like, do you even know what I'm studying right now? And then I'm like, you don't understand. If you seek first the kingdom of God, if you, if you sink your heart to the king, the king who's redeeming, he's going to work in you, through you, and around you. And you are going to elevate the room when you walk in there and say this, uh, you know what? Fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. But I'm in a storm. Peace be still. But the situation is more than I can show. He'll move mountains. I don't know how he'll move mountains, but he'll move mountains. Are you living it? Does your body language say it? Are you pouring that out from every pore of your body? You need to be a disciplined disciple who operates this way. Um, I'm pursuing God, and I want you to come with me. That's how you change the conversation. That's how you change the darkness. Um, there's a lot of, I heard this Baptist preacher, I went with my dad to this church, and I have to tell you, it was amazing. It was on a mountaintop. There's 12 people. You could touch the front door and the pulpit at the same time. And he has the most amazing quote I've ever heard of my life. It's really hard to park, or really hard to steer a parked car. That's how Jesus sees you in your discipleship. You have usefulness. You might not know where you're supposed to be, but find your usefulness in the kingdom right here. Get plugged into this church. Get plugged into a Bible study. Get plugged into a small group. Walk with people in life. Bring light. Bring light to the darkness. Uh, this is a, a really challenging part because everyone goes like this. Well, that sounds really harsh, but Jesus does bring like a really nice, lovely back end to this. Look at this. Verse 40. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. That's God. You accept, you bring the invitation of God, you bring Jesus. You bring Jesus, you bring God. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. We're all sharing in the gospel. We're all sharing in the reward. We're all sharing in the inheritance. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that that person will not lose their reward. Number three, a, a disciple who's following Christ will have a very passionate and strengthened service. Notice the third distinction. There's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of flexibility. You know what we're moving into? Energized service. Spiritual surrender and submission to your king is not a resignation, right? We're not building rewards here on earth. We're building rewards in heaven. That means you're building something. That means you're out there doing something. Think of this. The kingdom of God is not, mar is not about missing the marginalized. It's about meeting them where they're at. 
We do that on mission trips especially, right? But there's a hopelessness that's in this world that they can't escape until you present it. Not even the little ones will, you know, miss it with a cup of water. You know, the point of that is not just like little ones, like the little kids in the nursery. It's the little ones in this room. It's the little ones in your house, the ones that are new to the Christian faith, to the ones that are struggling with the Christian faith, to the ones that are hurting inside of the Christian faith, to the ones that who have been to church, other churches, and have had church hurts. And now we're tending to those wounds. Bring them a cup of water. What's that cup of water? Streams of living water from Jesus Christ. We are tending to each other. And guess what? We're sharing in the reward together. You've been called out of one family into a new spiritual family. You know how I like to keep like a perspective on this? Where the kingdom is at? I always like to keep the kingdom in perspective this way. Lazarus. Right? Lazarus who's probably like, oh, I'm such a fan of Jesus. Oh, my goodness, I'm dead, right? And then he wakes up. And think about that first breath he takes in heaven. Yankee Candle Store. Probably smells like autumn wreath all the time. And he's like, where am I, right? And then he looks up and he sees glory. And then the hand that lifts it up is his Savior. It's God calling him to heaven. Now, I just want to take you out of that moment. We've set that stage, right? He's back on earth. Death shows up. Satan shows up. I don't know, a Roman army shows up, threatens him with death. You know how funny that must be to Lazarus? In that moment, a disciple of Christ knows what the goal is, knows where we're going, knows what the purpose and promises of the Lord. As a people of promise, where is he going? He wakes up and he goes like, you know what? This world is wackadoodle, you know? People have pursued money. Where has it got them? There's so many empires that have risen and fallen. Where are they now? Crumbled history. Ancient history. There's so many philosophies have declared God dead only so that we could see that man was declared as God, only to see the biggest mass destruction that we've ever seen. We were supposed to be the gods will follow the bloodiest century we've ever seen, right? Right after that, 20th century, bloodiest. And then the devalue of human life inside of that. Think about that, the devalued of human life. I remember this one time this general said, one person killed is a tragedy, a million people is a, a statistic. Can you imagine that, being able to, to talk in those terms? Jesus Christ can't. So Jesus Christ is calling this disciple back to life. I would probably be upset, like, Lazarus come forth and like, Jesus, really? Like, you don't know. You do know. It was awesome. <laughs> all the time. Starbucks open 24-7. You know, star autumn wreath, Yankee candle, all the time. Streets of gold. I'm here now. But then I just want to understand this. You are chosen by God. You are created by God. You are chosen by God. You are sent by God. And you have now been empowered by God to walk in this perspective. You are a child of God who is operating in the kingdom of heaven. The old is gone. The new you is here. I have come to elevate the room. I have come to be this living sacrifice. Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, not a passive sacrifice, not a show up on Sunday sacrifice, a living sacrifice 24-7, a body in a temple that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship.
true and proper worship, the worship of every day, the worship of going beyond, the worship of looking at everybody in this mind, am I comfortable with letting them go to hell? Am I comfortable with hell winning in this situation? Or can I not rest till they get to heaven? Am I going to go with Christ on that? I want you to just think about this. Whatever it is, a Roman soldier, uh, death, Satan standing in front of Lazarus, right? Threatening him. Lazarus chuckling. (laughs) Haven't you heard? I worship the true and living king. I've seen the shores of heaven (laughs) and death is dead. Everything that you face in life, death is dead. What's more final than death? Jesus has overcome death. I want to put one more in for you. Jesus has overcome life, this life, and gave us eternal life. But we have been only been able to do that when we walk in the appointed steps of a master who has overcome our hearts and lifted us that way. Matthew 25, 23. Well done, his master replied, well done and good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Come and share in your master's happiness. Are you operating in your master's happiness? Yeah, but Joe, you don't understand what kind of sickness I'm dealing with. Are you operating in your master's happiness? Yeah, but my family's falling apart. Are you operating in your master's happiness? Is the foundation of your life built in your master's happiness? Are are the decisions of your life built in God's delight? Are you happy to know that the things that you're doing obediently, he's dancing and singing over them? Zephaniah 3.17. That the great warrior that is God who has gone before you and prepared the way, is fighting your battles, is dancing and singing over you. I know so many people that say this, you know, I don't know, I I can't get rid of that hobby anymore. I'm so close, I'm just working so hard. You can get rid of it in the power of the Lord. I can't get rid of this sin. You can get rid of it in, in the power of the Lord, in his happiness. He's happy to do it. I can't teach. I'm not one of that kind of a person. I can't share the gospel out there. You can do it in the power of the Lord. I can't move to another country. You can do it in the power of the Lord. You are walking in the kingdom of heaven. You have transcended this here and now, and you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. You are the living sacrifice, and your transcendent way of life, your obedience points to God, and God can never fail. Death has been defeated. This is directly from my devil. I want you to listen to this. A living sacrifice thinks this way. A living sacrifice thinks this way. What are you thinking, Jesus? I dare not think of anything else. What are you talking about, Jesus? I dare not speak anything else. Where are you going, Jesus? I dare not go anywhere else. I am a slave to my master's happiness. I want to let you know something was really kind of crazy for me in this moment. Speaking of family, I used to browbeat my, my brother over the head with the word every day. You need to be a Christian. You need to be more like me. Which, that's probably not like the bar that he was thinking. You know, like, you're not, who are you? You burnt the popcorn. You're not, a, you know, like, you can't even do anything right. But I heard the call of God, and the call of God was love him where he's at. Be an example in his life. Don't hit him over the head with the word anymore my brother who fought the church, who fought Jesus Christ, goes to 8.30 service with my mom every week now. 
And then Jesus said to me after I wrote this in my Devo, it's in my happiness that I raised him up. Seek you first the kingdom of God and the rest will be added to you. Brother Robert Everington and Marion Everington in church together is the rest added to me. But first I had to sacrificially follow the Lord the way that he wanted to, not preach the word the way I wanted to. I literally wanted to hit him over the head with the Bible, not like just metaphorically. He drove me nuts. But the Lord said, I want you to hear a call. I don't know where I heard this. I was sitting in a parking lot after a really bad argument with my brother. And I heard this, like old-timey preacher said this, dead men leaving a dead world need no recognition. So many people here, so many people in this time and place really want Jesus Christ to acknowledge them really want to be uplifted, to be exalted. You are all reaching so far deep into this community and places Pastor Dave and I can never go. You just have to answer the, the, the master's call and move in his happiness. Some of you are reaching deeper into your families that the word from this preaching could ever go. It goes into your heart and follows you wherever you go and Jesus goes with you. We have to respond. The deepest revelation for me as a dead man who was raised to life, none of that is this, I can say God gave me everything and held nothing back because I was all that he wanted. Does that change how you see what your relationship is with the Lord? God gave us everything, held nothing back because we were all he ever wanted. You want to question that? Look what he did on the cross. But you know what that empowers me to say? It empowers me to say this. We hold on to God with everything we have because in the end, he's the only thing holding on to us. I know life is hard. I know life is difficult. I know dis discipleship can be excruciating at times. But the end result is so worth it, the kingdom of God. Lazarus was standing here right now. He'd be like, hang on, guys. This fleeting breath, this vapor of a moment is nothing compared to how great that is. And that is what we're fighting for. And that is what we're going for. We're getting rid of the old and we're bringing in the new. We're maximizing God and we're minimizing ourselves so that we can bring heaven here. Why? The last four verses so that we could bring that cup of water, the cup of water, that invitation that you are. When you bring an invitation of Jesus, you bring Jesus. When you bring Jesus, you bring God. When you bring God, you bring the whole life of heaven that is worthy to be lived. Draped in robes of righteousness and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We have everything because he gave us everything. And in the end, when we get to heaven and you see the expectation in God's eyes when you go through the gates for the first time and he has that expectation, well done, my good and faithful servant. Is that not all we're fighting for? In my master's happiness, amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and I praise you for the revelation of a disciple. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you have even considered us worthy to be called children of God. I thank you that you've already gone before us and prepared the way. I thank you that the enemy has been defeated. I praise you and I thank you that Christ has been raised from the dead, that the tomb is empty and that we've been raised and born again. We are new creations in you. We don't have to look at the old. And yes, there'll be trials, there'll be tribulations, there'll be excuses, there'll be obligations. Lord, you have transcended that and you have given us more than that. We walk on ordained and appointed steps made by Jesus. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are anointed. I pray right now that every single person here that is dealing with a storm at home, in the name of Jesus, they will face it and overcome it. Peace be still.
I pray that everybody here that is struggling with that person, maybe they have a brother, they're browbeating with the Bible. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, they will bring the love of Jesus in a sacrificial way, and that brother will be back in church. I pray that as we grow in disciples, we will see families restored and this church filled with testimonies of your greatness, not ours. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you guys. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for braving the, the crazy weather and being here with us tonight, and I love you. Have a great evening. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.